For the second day in a row, it's an exciting day to be a Chiefs fan. Let's talk some free agency, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser. This is an emergency podcast session because, as I'm sure anyone who's listening to this is aware by now, the Chiefs surprised a lot of people, although it became less and less surprising as the uh, as the hours went on, and signed Sammy Watkins to a huge contract, three years, $48 million. We haven't seen the structure yet. I don't know how much of that is incentive. I don't know how much of that is bonus. The, the, the devil is in the details, as they say, and those contracts... Some of that can be fluff money. We'll see what it is for. But no one expected them, for the most part, until recently, to go after a top-tier wide receiver until right at the last stretch, like late last night. People were starting to really say some stuff, and it was becoming interesting. And so I woke up at about 6.30 this morning for some reason. not sure why. Probably my four-year-old daughter was smothering me, but that's a whole another story. Um, so I, I wake up, and for whatever reason, I thought, you know, I'm going to check my phone. I'm just going to check Twitter real quick and then go back to sleep. Well, I check Twitter and then I see, oh, the Chiefs are going to sign Sammy Watkins. And then I see the details. I see all that. So then I tried to go back to sleep, but of course I couldn't. And so I did what I do. I went back and I watched four of his games this last year. I charted a bunch of his snaps. I charted every route he ran actually as a win, loss, or a neutral. I paid attention to his catchable targets. I took a look to see how many drops he had, how many saves he had. A save being a, a very poor throw by a quarterback that the receiver makes a great play to redeem and catch. And I basically went into it trying to figure out, okay, who is Sammy Watkins and why were they willing to pay him so much money? Obviously, I knew who Sammy Watkins was. I knew he was a very talented receiver, um, but I had never really reviewed his film before. Um, all I knew about him was that he, start, he started out of the gates looking great in Buffalo, then had an injury, then kind of things went south there. He got traded to the Rams, and he was pretty quiet last season. That's all I knew. So I went in with, with fairly high expectations because I was hoping that his talent would shine through the film regardless of what his production numbers were. He only had 39 catches on 70 targets, a shade under 600 yards, so it wasn't anything to scream home about. But as I uh, as I always say, the, the truth is in the film, not in the stats. We just got done talking about the, the evils of box score analysis with regards to quarterbacks, but that's true with wide receivers as well. So what I want to do is walk through, one, why I think the Chiefs went through this, uh, went, went to this particular route at least and two what I saw on film with Sammy Watkins and then I want to address the other big signing which is almost flying under the radar to an extent and uh, the Chiefs signed Anthony Hitchens to a five-year deal worth approximately nine million per year now there's a ton of room for 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 wiggling when you're talking nine years and approximately 45 million there's going to be a ton of flexibility in the structure there so that could really not affect the cap much at all this year it might affect it a lot but we don't know yet so I want to talk about the very little of his film that I've watched and I just want to kind of comment on why I think the Chiefs are doing what they've done and what I expect moving forward and why I'm excited about both these guys so to start off Sammy Watkins um what I think actually makes the most sense is to talk about what I saw on film. I ended up charting 123 routes that he ran, and 
what I do is, you know, I chart wins, losses, and neutral. You know, a win being a play where the receiver creates obvious separation that an average quarterback should be able to make a very easy throw to hit on the run. Not even an average quarterback, a bad quarterback. That's a win. A loss is when they get blanketed and it would take a stud throw and catch to provide any kind of possibility of a completion. A neutral play is when they are schemed open or when they're, you know, if it's zone or something like that, and there's no obvious move by the wide receiver that creates a separation. You can win, have a win against zone coverage, but it requires finding the open spot in the hole, not simply being schemed to the right spot, because that's not really the receiver doing anything other than running the route that was designed. So I, I, I looked at those things, and what I found, I did this same thing with Albert Wilson actually a few weeks ago. And Albert Wilson won on approximately tw- a shade under, or maybe a shade over, maybe exactly dead on, 25% of his routes. Sammy Watkins won on over 43%, a, a, an obscenely high number. To provide context to that, when I grade corners... I expect them to have a loss percentage between 20 and 25% is what I find acceptable, right? Now flip that around, right? A loss for a cornerback is a win for a wide receiver. And so what Sammy Watkins essentially did is he turned the corners covering him into guys that were losing over 43% of the time. That basically is what Kenneth Acker did last year. He was turning good corners into Kenneth Acker. And I purposefully went out of my way to review tape against some good secondaries like the the Vikings and the Jaguars and the Saints. I wanted to see how he looked against guys that could play. And he did not disappoint. Um, you can actually check out, I wrote a pretty extensive piece on Arrowhead Pride that, that details what I found, but I want to be able to talk about a little bit here as to why the box score doesn't do what I saw justice. What I saw from him were multiple, in just four games, there were at least a half dozen deep shot throws that Jared Goff badly missed on that could have been touchdowns had he hit on those. Now, imagine if he only instead of missing on so many of them, imagine if he even hit on half of those. What would you think if if another three catches and another 180 yards were added to his stats and three touchdowns? Suddenly you would start saying, oh, that looks better and better. And that's just the example of one kind of play. That doesn't even include the plays where Watkins got open deep and Goff didn't even throw it his way, which happened multiple times as well. What I saw on film from Watkins was a receiver who is exceptional at creating separation. He separates deep very well. He can get separation on intermediate and short routes as well. But his biggest asset that I saw was as a deep threat. He also tracks the ball very well in the air. Um, He adjusts to it. He can adjust where he's moving. He's got good body control in that area. He's got good hands. He snatches the ball out of the air. I walked into it, you know, hoping that he would look talented and that I wouldn't feel too bad about the size of the contract. And I walked out of it just blown away. I was stunned at how well he played. Um, he looked extremely impressive. And unless we'll see what Tyreek Hill's route running looks like this next year. It improved so much from year one to year two that I, I want to hedge this. But I think he's already the best route runner on the Chiefs, um, besides maybe Travis Kelsey. He looked incredibly impressive. And so the main thing people are talking about is the box score. The people that don't like it. Well, he only had 39 catches for under 600 yards. Seth, he's clearly bad. No, he's clearly not. Watch the film. Don't look at box score analysis. Look at the film and see what he did independent of the offense he was in. He was targeted significantly less than the other two wide receivers in their offense. Keep in mind that Watkins joined their team about four weeks before the season started. So it took time to get him integrated into the offense. And so what you see from him again, is a guy who creates separation, who catches pretty much everything that's catchable that comes his way, and 
those are the two things you need from a receiver. He's able to handle bump and run. He's able to handle zone. He's able to handle off man. He's able to create separation against all kinds of coverage. And the reality is he did not get targeted as much as he should have. And honestly, one thing I walked away from that whole review with was a lower opinion of Jared Goff. I think they schemed the daylights out of him. I think uh, McVay, his coach, deserves all kinds of accolades for getting the most out of Goff because his deep ball accuracy especially was very poor. And so I was really impressed with how good a job they did finding easy pitch and catch opportunities for Goff. But the reality is he missed Sammy Watkins a lot. There just was not a whole lot of, of help coming Watkins' way from a quarterback perspective. Now, the offense itself was very well schemed, and one thing that I noticed was that consistently you could see some of the same route concepts that Andy Reid employs. And that was really exciting to see because that will hopefully aid him in adjusting to Andy Reid's offense, which is famously difficult for first-year guys to pick up. I'd be willing to bet that they'll probably keep him mostly at the X receiver spot, at least for this first year. I mean, we'll see how quickly he picks it up. He's a veteran, and he seems to know what he's doing with regards to, to route combinations, with regards to where he goes on his routes, and with regards to finding the holes in zone coverage. But, again, it's a hard offense to learn. But I was really encouraged. And, like I said, these are all things that you can't see in a box score. You can't see Watkins running wide open 40 yards down the field and Goff just missing him. You can't see those things. And it happened to Watkins at a higher rate than I've seen it, I think, with any other player. Would be my my off-the-top-of-my-head guess. And so that's what I saw on film from him. Uh, He was wildly impressive. He created a ton of separation. He rarely lost. About 13% of the time was he really blanketed. He gave every corner he faced problems. Um, Ramsey probably did the best against him, but he was able to create separation against everyone. There 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 was not a single corner that actually shut him down throughout the course of the game. Now, statistically, it happened... Um, You know, he didn't have a big day statistically in a few of those games, but that's because he wasn't getting the ball when he was running open. Or that's because he received a completely uncatchable throw. Um, Against the Saints in particular, he he should have had another 150 yards that game. Um, There were a couple of deep balls that were just atrocious. And so... I'm really excited. And so that, you know, that that's a brief snippet of what I saw in film and why the box score analysis doesn't really do Watkins justice. Because again, I walked into it kind of skeptical and I walked out a believer. So we'll see what happens with regards to health. That's another, um, that, that's another thing that people have said with regards to Watson is they're worried about his health. Well, he was healthy every game last year and he didn't look like he's lost any of his explosiveness. So I'm not worried about it. So that kind of moves me into the the next realm that I want to talk about for a little bit here. Why the Chiefs would go this particular route. I'm going to talk about that for a bit. We'll take a quick break and I'll jump back on it again. So the Chiefs, my plan for free agency, as you all probably remember, is for them to double down, not on the offense, but on the defense. Not even double down. They just needed to create a decent defense. There's a lot of talent gaps in that defense. And so... We uh we 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 talked we talked about that this last time that well, my plan would be would be to sign a couple of big names in on the defense and then if possible grab a wide receiver start there and maybe a tight end I did talk about Watkins as a guy that I would like to see but I just didn't think they'd be able to afford it and so I'm you know hey I'm glad that they are looking to to improve the offense but it was a surprise to me because again the defense has a serious lack of talent and so. 
I, I've, I was back and forth trying to figure out how I really felt about that, and I'm trying to think of what the Chiefs are trying to build here. Um, but when you look at the offense that they had last year, which, as I said on the last Chief in the North, was one of the best offenses in the NFL from a DVOA standpoint. Uh, statistically speaking, they did very well. Um, they had some problems with consistency at times. So now what they are really doing, they are trying to create something different than even what they had last year. Um, as I mentioned, last year down the stretch, they went to more spread concepts. And they started off the year doing a lot of this too, but it seemed like it was more and more as the year went along, especially at near the end of the season and including the, the one game Pat Mahomes started against the Broncos. You saw a lot of spread formation type looks. You saw some empty backfields. You saw a bunch of stuff designed to spread the defense out and give your quarterback a lot of options. And what the Chiefs seem to be planning on doing now is killing teams with speed because they already have the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. Sammy Watkins is an exceptional deep threat. He is one of the faster guys in the NFL with regards to uh, to speed on the field. I think he ran was like a 4-3-4 or something like that, and every second of that shows up on film. He's extremely fast down the field. And so now you have two guys who create some real problems down the field, and in addition, you've got Travis Kelsey, one of the fastest tight ends in the league. And so they really are set up well here to bother teams down the field, and you can see an offense that's being designed around Patrick Mahomes, who, in my opinion, he's much more than just a deep ball artist, but the reality is he's a guy who can flick his wrist and the ball goes 40 yards down the field. So I want to talk for just a minute about what I think the offense is going to look like next year, and we'll do that right after this. We're going to take a quick break and continue, and then we'll also talk about Hitchens and the little bit of film I've been able to review on him. So we'll do that right after this. So we're talking right now Chiefs offense. They signed Sammy Watkins. They are doubling down on what was one of the better offenses in the league last year. And now they're just... <laughs> they, they clearly are planning on... Well, I guess you could use the phrase track meet. They're planning on having a track meet every Sunday. Because they are boasting three of the fastest guys at their positions in the NFL now. And you know, for the record, it's not like Chris Conley's a slow guy either. He takes a little longer to get revved up going down the field. He's not as explosive as Hill or Watson. I mean, he was in his combine workouts, but it doesn't show up on the field to me. But when he when he's moving, very few guys can catch him. They have an incredibly fast group of receivers now. And so I was trying to conceptualize what I think the offense is going to look like next year. And what I think we're going to see a ton of, I think we're going to see a ton of, of, of three or four wide type type sets with Travis Kelsey being that that fourth guy a lot of the time or that third guy I think you're going to see defenses spread way out tons of shotgun and pistol and then Kareem Hunt motioning in and out of the backfield basically in short what I think you're going to see is a lot like what Patrick Mahomes ran at Texas Tech which a certain version of it, kind of a a morphed version with with the West Coast offense, is what we saw Andy Reid already institute this last season, and it was so interesting to me because there were so many people that were worried about Mahomes running, you know, a, a pro offense. Well, last year Andy Reid basically instituted what was close to a college style offense, and dominated the league with it for a lot of weeks. When they did have problems, in my opinion, those were not scheme problems. They gave they gave defenses all kinds of matchup issues and that was with Albert Wilson 
or Chris Conley being the secondary receiver, not Sammy Watkins. The reason some some of these college-style offenses, what people often say, don't work is because they rely on receivers that are so much faster than defensive backs, and you just don't have that kind of separation at the NFL level. Except now, with Hill, Watkins, and Kelsey, you can actually run that style of offense because they are that much faster than the guys defending them. It's a ridiculously fast group. And so I think you're going to see even more of what you saw last year of this spread attack, which the good news for that is it can mitigate weaknesses along the offensive line and pass protection. And additionally, it can create a situation where we're hopefully going to see Kareem Hunt running against a lot of very, very empty boxes. Because if you've got teams spread out with Sammy Watkins on one boundary and Tyree Kill on the other boundary and Travis Kelsey in the slot, you need teams to be teams need to spread themselves out very thin because with Watkins and Hill both taking the top off the defense, they need to have two safeties back there, which means Kelsey can feast across the middle of the field unless you've got your linebackers in position to do that. And so it's going to be very difficult for teams to defend the run provided there's even competent blocking up front. Not even competent blocking, just even average, whatever you'd call it. Because Kareem Hunt is a beast in his own right. He is incredibly, incredibly good. And we saw that last year. And so this it creates a situation where the Chiefs... I, I'm If Patrick Mahomes is 90% of what we think he can be, this, def, this offense is going to be incredibly difficult to stop. Incredibly difficult. And so while I'm curious about the fact that it doesn't seem like they are um, addressing the defense quite as quickly as a lot of us would like to see, um, it's pretty exciting, the idea of this offense hitting the field and just running a track meet every week. And I just can't, uh, I can't imagine what it's going to look like. Um, like I said, a lot lives and dies on Mahomes based on what I've seen. I think Mahomes is going to come out of the gate swinging. And now he has all the weapons he needs to succeed. you got an offensive line that's going to have a couple years together. I mean, this is everyone except Watkins has time in the system. This is going to be really really fun to watch. And if Mahomes is remotely what I think he is, I think they'll compete for the best offense in the NFL. So with all that said, we move to the defense because there's a lot of people that their response would be, and I covered this a little bit. Um, the response would be that, well, you know, I don't want a Dick Vermeil team. And I, I addressed this when I talked about the idea of signing a wide receiver in the last podcast. The, the fear that the Chiefs will have an awful defense like they did in the Vermeil years to me is a bit misplaced. And like I said last time, the reality is the Vermeil defense didn't have anyone as good as Eric Berry. They didn't have anyone as good as Justin Houston. They didn't have anyone as good as Kendall Fuller, just to just to start off with. Um, they didn't have anyone as good as Chris Jones either. Um, they, they maybe had a player or two that was around the same level as Reggie Ragland. Okay? But that... They, they didn't have that same basis of talent that the Chiefs defense had last year. And I went over this a lot in the last pod, so I'm not going to you know spend a ton of time talking about the differences there. The Chiefs had a problem with some very, very low-level talent seeing the field way too much last year. Or you know a guy or two who was very washed up, and, and even if he's a legend, and I refuse to say the name because I used the phrase washed up, but you know you, when you have someone who can't run sideline to sideline with any speed whatsoever, that's going to be a problem. And it was for the Chiefs last year. They had real issues at the inside linebacker position before Ragland came around. And we saw the run defense 
in some sets was significantly better once Raglan came around, but it was still flawed. KPL did okay, but he still wasn't quite what you want. Um, so the run defense was a real problem. Coverage was a real problem. However, later on in the year, and I talked about this, so I'm going to go through it really quickly. Later on in the year, you saw the coverage get better with Revis and Steven Nelson when Nelson got healthy and Revis got signed. Well, now they don't have Marcus Peters, but they do have Kendall Fuller, who I think is going to be a star. Um, who he was a star last year in Washington. We'll see how he does in a new system, of course. But I'm pretty comfortable with, uh, with with him sliding into the Marcus Peters role, even though, yes, I wish they had Marcus Peters right now. I would feel so much better about everything that's happened. But what are you going to do? That's water under the bridge, right? So I what you what you have now is with Amerson and Nelson, you've got more competent corner play than they had for about three quarters of last year. At least you should. Now I'm not sure the Chiefs are done yet. You know, and you know, I, every now and then I'm clicking on uh, Twitter just because uh, you know. You never know. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen here. However, the Chiefs didn't stand pat on defense. They addressed what they clearly must have thought was a huge problem because they spent good money on it. Um, they they signed Anthony Hitchens, who was a he played middle linebacker and strong side linebacker with the Cowboys in in a forty three defense setup. But he also was there on on nickel downs and that kind of stuff. So. That's an interesting move because Hitchens was not a guy that was on my radar, and I don't know if he was on anyone's radar, but I have a, I've had a chance to review some of his snaps. He looks like a really strong run defender, which is obviously going to be important, but more importantly than that, he was on the field for quite a few pass defense snaps for the Cowboys, including when they were in 4-2 sets. Right, with four defensive linemen and two linebackers. And the Chiefs spend almost all their time in either a 34 set or in the 42 set. You combine those two, and that's probably 85-90% of their snaps. Now, for a while, they were playing this really weird defense with you know Danny Sorensen playing the other linebacker position, but that's because they couldn't trust anyone else to cover. So... Raglan's not a guy who's going to excel in coverage, but he is a guy who's comfortable dropping in in cover two and that kind of look. He's not great at it, but he's competent at it. So Hitchens, I think, is a better version of that. He looks more comfortable with lateral movement and agility, as well as short burst speed than what I think Ragland has. He's not as big a thumper as Ragland is, although he does lay hits. It's just Ragland is a huge hitter. Um, but he looks like a guy who's pretty comfortable out there. I, I've watched him on probably about a dozen or so snaps now, not too many, in coverage on tight ends and running backs. He looks like he's pretty comfortable running down the field. Um, so he he's, again, it, it, it's an interesting signing. I haven't watched enough of his film to tell you anything definitively, but what I can tell you is he looks like he zeroes in on the ball very quickly. He looks like he's able to avoid blockers pretty well, and he looks like he's fairly comfortable in coverage. He looks like he's a good hitter, a good tackler. Um, he's not afraid to take on blockers either. I saw that too. And so, you know, the dozen or so snaps I saw, that was in man coverage. I saw another couple dozen in zone coverage, and I've watched probably about 30 or 40 run defense snaps. What I've seen so far he's a big upgrade over what the Chiefs had last year. Now, here's the thing they they signed him to what's reportedly, like I said you know, 9 million per year on f- over 5 years now, again, the devil is in the details 9 years for 45 million can mean a lot of things. For all we know, the very last year of that contract is worth 12 million and none of it's guaranteed, which, you know, turns it essentially in reality into a four, you know, into a 4-year 33 million dollar deal, which again is still high, but it changes things drastically when you try to think about it on a per year basis and what the cap hit is going to be 
for 2018 and 2019. A lot just depends on that. So I, I'm, I can't wait to see the structure because that's going to be wildly important with him. But here's what I will say. The Chiefs are not afraid to spend right now, and that's important because, like I said, and this was my main point in in the most recent podcast, is that this is their window. They've got a quarterback on a rookie deal. This is their chance to spend big. The fact that Watkins' deal is for three years, it's no coincidence that Mahomes has four years left on his rookie deal. They're, they're planning that out to where, okay, we'll still have, we'll have money coming free when... The uh, when when they'll have money coming free when Mahomes needs to get paid if he works out, which I think he's going to. So I, I like that, and I'm assuming with a with a five year, forty five million dollars approximately setup, I assume that the Chiefs out on Hitchens will be about after three years as well. So again, I need to see the structure. Given that it's a five year deal, I'm not too afraid of that contract, but I love that they're willing to spend, and I love that they addressed what I think was a position of need. And here's the deal now with Ragland and Hitchens, what I'm seeing is they're moving a different direction on defense. I don't think you're going to be seeing much of the, you know, hybrid safety linebacker role this next year. Because I think what they intend on is having Ragland and Hitchens both be guys who can play most snaps. And that's going to be really important for the Chiefs on run defense in nickel sets because that's where they really got gouged last year. It wasn't as bad in their base defense, but it was in nickel sets when they had these 4-2 looks where they just got run over, especially when Danny Sorensen was playing the role of the other linebacker. So I think you're seeing an entirely new direction for the defense, which to me is encouraging because one problem a lot of people have had, and understandably so, is that Bob Sutton wasn't adjusting enough last year, although to me that was a bit of a narrative, but what are you going to do? Now you have a situation where, because the nature of the guys are signing, you know they like Reggie Ragland, now that we're kind of getting into a situation where I don't think you're going to see nearly as many looks where we're counting on a guy who isn't a linebacker to play linebacker, and that is good news. Um, Hitchens, like I said, what I, I'm going to try to write a film review on him, have that up on Arrowhead Pride in a day or two here, but until then, I think it's pretty clear based on what I've watched that he's a big upgrade over what they had at the inside linebacker spot besides Raglan last year, and I think that's going to help out the run defense tremendously. I think the Chiefs have one more good-sized movement in them. I'm thinking it might be Mo Wilkerson, and if they do that, I'm good. I am good with what they've done. Now, I would like to see them, you know, shore up maybe corner, something like that, but my the thing I would like to see most is the defensive line get addressed, especially with a solid guy, because that would take a huge step towards repairing the run defense, which was a major problem last year. So, that's what I've got for you. Um, it's it's an exciting time. It is absolutely an exciting time. I can't wait to see the Chiefs win some shootouts next year. And hopefully by shootout, I mean like, you know, 45 nothing because the defense comes around. I am pretty excited about the direction the Chiefs are going and that they clearly think that they can compete now, today. I like seeing that. I can't wait to see what they do next. I don't think I'll have another emergency podcast in me, but we'll see what happens. It depends. I have no idea what they're going to do. So I really appreciate you guys listening. I'm excited about Watkins. I'm excited about Hitchens as well. I'm excited to review more of his film. This has been the Chief of the North with Seth Kaiser. Thank you guys for listening again. And here's hoping it keeps being a great week to be a Chiefs fan. (laughs) 